If you got your Bibles, would you go to Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And if you got it, would you mind standing to your feet if you're able to? I know I've had a lot of standing today already. So if you're unable, I understand. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. This might be familiar for a lot of you. This is what the Bible says. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Heavenly Father, I pray today that you would speak to every heart and speak to every mind concerning your word. Let us go deep in our faith today and in our knowledge of you. Let it grow all the more. God, we love you and we thank you. And in your name we pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated today. Hasn't this been just such a sweet presence of God this morning? This scripture here is one that many of us have probably heard at least a hundred times in our life, if not a thousand or a million times. But it's one that I think we take for granted because of how much we've heard it and how many times we've heard it read or read it ourselves. But the first thing I really want us to get with this is we need to understand how to handle the Scripture when the word therefore is in a Scripture. You see, the word therefore is therefore there for a reason. This morning, some people need to wake up a little bit. Therefore means that everything that has preceded the Scripture... Everything that has been written up until that moment is leading to this moment. Everything written in the first 11 chapters of Hebrews is leading to a moment of direction and saying all of these things happen, therefore do this. And when you know the book of Hebrews, you understand that the first 11 chapters are really, are really mostly a summary of Old Testament covenant and works and, and a description of how Jesus fulfilled the requirements of those covenants. And essentially, if I could, if I could sum up the entire book of Hebrews in one sentence or one phrase, it would be, Jesus is better. And he's saying throughout the first 11 chapters, there's been great acts of faith. There have been all these things that have happened, and, and, and all these things happened throughout the Old Covenant. There's been forgiveness that has been made. Jesus was the greater sacrifice. And now that we have received this sacrifice, when we come to chapter 12 that we just read, he's saying, therefore, all of these things have happened to bring about a better covenant for you and I. And the writer of Hebrews, which is highly debated on who it was, it's not really known who wrote Hebrews, but the writer of Hebrews is coming to this moment saying, therefore, all this new covenant has happened, all these greater things have happened through Christ, therefore, run the race. I want to tell you today, 
that we need to take our mark and run this race. You see, many times we look at salvation and the work of the cross, and especially coming off of the resurrection Sunday and Easter, we look at those things as that is the finish line. We think the cross, and oh, we're saved, we've made it, we've arrived. The only thing you've arrived at is a new life. You have been born again. This, this is a resurrection of you through the cross. It's a fresh start. It's a new beginning. It's not, I'm saved, good, I'm good to go. Now I'm just going to sit and wait for Jesus to take me home. There is a whole journey that lies before us after the cross and the resurrection. We are simply, after coming through the cross and the resurrection, standing at the starting line with a new life in Christ. And many people have been standing at the starting line for many, many years and have never taken a single step forward in this race of faith. And today God is calling some people to take that step forward and to move forward in this race and follow this journey that Christ has set out for us to follow. Because there are so many things that God has in store for each one of us. But if we never get past the starting line, if we never start taking those steps forward in everything that he's called us to run toward, we'll never obtain it. There are three skills or, uh, or techniques, running techniques, if you want to call them that, that are laid out for us in, this, in these same two verses that we must follow and use in order to run successfully. The first one being this, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely. You see, running is hard, but it's harder if you're carrying extra weight. I, I, it's really hard for me to really talk about running in and of itself because I'm not, as you might be able to tell, I'm not really a runner. I've talked about getting into running many, many times. I've just never done it. My excuse is I don't have running shoes. And so, I, understanding that running is a metaphor, I'm going to use a metaphor that I can give you a better image of for myself. And although I've not run very many miles, I have certainly hiked and climbed through the wilderness for many, many miles. And I can tell you from experience that from the very first time I ever stepped out and did backpacking, which essentially just go and camping, but you carry everything on your back and you hike about 30 miles, that you find out really quick what baggage is necessary and what isn't necessary. You very quickly realize, I can go without this, I can go without that, this is just a waste, I don't even use this. And I can tell you from experience that it is simply so much easier to ditch the unnecessary baggage in our life to move forward. In fact, there, there was one time I remember it very clearly, and I may have even told this story before. I don't know if I've told it here, but I know no, I've used this story before other places. There was one of my uh, last hiking adventures before I stepped out of 
where I lived to go into youth pastoring. It was a beautiful February weekend. It was about 70 degrees in February. So I said, I'm hitting the road. I'm going to go climb a mountain or something. So I get out there and I begin this, this trail that I've never done before. It's brand new to me. And I'm going almost completely straight uphill for about a mile and a half of just uphill. And it's not a small hill. And I'm climbing this, and I, God meets with me in the wilderness. I don't know about you guys, where you're, you're quiet places, but for many, many years, it was always just me going out to the woods, whether it's fishing or hiking or whatever. That's where I felt like I heard the voice of God. I'd spend time with him. I'd pray, all those things. And in this moment as I'm climbing this, I'm like, Lord, why is this so hard? This is such a difficult journey. And I'm talking to him, and... It was like the, the windows of heaven opened up and a light shined down on me like you see in the movies. And God said to me, well, it's because you're fat. It's okay to laugh at that. It's like it's because you're fat. But when you understand the spiritual implication of that, it means I, was, I had extra weight that I didn't need to have and wasn't supposed to have, but I had anyway because of decisions I was making that were unhealthy to obtain said weight. Let me, let me break it down for you here in, in other terms. Sometimes we do things and we make decisions and we eat things and we partake of things in our life that add to our weight and our baggage that we have to carry around with us. I'm not going to preach on the sin of gluttony. I, I know that's the acceptable sin in the church. It's not so acceptable to God, but we accept it. So it must be all right. But what I am telling you is that many of us have made decisions in our past and have made mistakes in our past, have sinned in our past, have connected to, with people and different things in our past that have created for us baggage and weight that we carry today. It doesn't matter if I go on a diet or start exercising. It's until that baggage is gone, that exercise is going to be hard. Now the exercise will get rid of that baggage, but I would have been much better off if I would never have had that to begin with. I was in great shape in high school. I could squat 425 pounds. I could bench like 240-something. I don't remember exactly, but I, I lifted weights. I played football. I was in great shape. I could run two miles without stopping and passing out. Now I can't run two feet without passing out. I was talking on the phone the other day to somebody, and they, they said, well, you've been working out. You're breathing real heavy. I said, no, I just walked up the steps. <laughs> I, I'm not lying. I'm telling you the truth here. But I, I say that to say this. One of my biggest regrets was picking up the extra baggage along the way. I wish I would have just stuck with being in shape. But I had have to deal with the consequences of my own actions. Example being pizza and chicken wings, and cake, and Little Debbie's. All of those things, I have to deal with the consequence of that now, and it has created for me some extra baggage that I don't really want to carry, and you know, sometimes I do feel the burden of it, like I said, walking up the stairs. We're trying to walk through the zoo yesterday. I'm like, did they build this entire thing uphill? I don't care what direction we're going in. I feel like I'm walking uphill. 
And then I'm wearing the baby carrier on top of that. I loved the zoo, but we were there for about three hours, and I said, I'm done. I don't want to go home. I need a nap. But I say all that to say that many of us carry baggage that we are not intended to carry. And many times it's from our own decisions that we made. I think one of the biggest disservices we do to ourselves is we don't take ownership of our own mistakes. We don't want to admit that we screwed something up. We don't want to admit that we sinned. We don't even like to call stuff sin anymore. Oh, it's just a mistake. I made a mistake. No, you sinned. You violated God's law. We we don't want to say those things because we want to lighten the load rather than deal with the load. We're like, well, if I lighten the weight of my sin and just call it a mistake, it won't be so heavy for me to carry. The conviction won't be so heavy. If I say things like, well, nobody's perfect, I can make that excuse so nobody else is perfect, so we're all carrying the same weight here, so that makes it better. You're still carrying a mess that you shouldn't be carrying. And we will never be able to really truly run free in the race if we don't deal with those things. We have sin. We have weights and burdens, the, the weight from past decisions. We have sin that we are currently living in for some people. Gluttony being one of them. That's an easy one to pick on. That's why I'm using it. That we, we, we currently deal with things. I, I want to clarify something here. Temptation itself is not sin. Acting on temptation is sin. Just because you're tempted with something doesn't mean you're going to hell. Even Jesus experienced temptation, but the Bible says he experienced it without sinning. So I want to clarify here, there will be days that you will be tempted. There are days that you, actually every day, you will be tempted. You will have things put in front of you that you will want to give into those desires and give into your flesh. The question is, are you going to or not? We have to deal with the weight that we carry. We carry around our hurt feelings, our traumas, our past, our, our offenses, our, our hurts, the, the oh, oh, somebody hurt me, and we got to get over those things. You're only hurting yourself. I, I've talked about this before, so I don't need to dive all the way back into it, but when you hold on to offense, you're only satisfying what that person was hoping. If they, either they offended you on purpose and they wanted you to feel what you're feeling, and they're glad, and they're happy, and it's exactly where you're supposed to be, or they offended you on accident, and they didn't mean to, but now you're walking around with this hurt that you shouldn't be having anyway. Offense only hurts you. But we carry these baggages, and we carry these weights that we shouldn't have to carry, and don't carry. And I'm going to get to getting free here in a minute, but I want us to make sure we hit all of these techniques The next thing it says is run with endurance the race that is set before us. you got to understand a couple things about this race. First, it's a marathon, not a sprint. If you try to get to the finish line as quickly as possible, you're going to have some trouble along the way. 
I'm not saying be lazy in your faith. I'm saying understand that you're not going to have it all figured out on day one. Be patient with yourself. That's what I'm talking about with endurance. I'll never forget the first time I read the Bible cover to cover. You read some of that stuff and you're like, what does this have to do with anything? Why is this book full of nothing but the begots and so-and-so begot so-and-so and so-and-so begot so-and-so? Like, what does that have to do with anything? And it's like all way over your head and you don't understand anything and you read it all the way through and you're frustrated and then it makes it all the harder to read it again because you're like, first you're like, oh, maybe it'll get better in the next chapter. It's like, more begots, more so-and-so had so-and-so or the Levitical laws and trying to understand all those things. I want to tell you, you will not have it all figured out the first time you read the Bible all the way through. It takes years and years of reading and prayer and study to figure it out and to understand God's Word. There is stuff I still learn every day. There's stuff I read, I'm like, I don't remember ever reading that before. Even though I know I have, but God just puts a light on it that wasn't on there the first time because He was trying to show me something else. It's a living word. And it's always speaking. The problem is, are we investing the time in to listen? It will be over your head. That's why you need endurance. Secondly, the path isn't always a smooth, paved, flat, even path. A lot of times it's more like a mountain trail. Like I talked about. You ain't, you, you, this race is not an easy cruising run down the road through a nice, wonderful, beautiful park. It's more like climbing Mount Everest while running. It's more like navigating the harsh wildernesses and the mountains. It, it, it's, it's very difficult at times. There, it, there's a lot of things in the path that will cause you to trip. There's a predator out there that's trying to take you out of the race, and it requires your diligence in this race as well as your endurance. The Bible says that, the, that Satan prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. The person he wants to devour is you and I while we run this race. you got to understand that there are going to be challenges. There's going to be times where you are not running, but you are crawling and you are climbing and you are squeezing through things and over things and under things. And, and it, there's obstacles in the way. There are challenges in the way. But the Bible says that he makes all things work together for our good. Sometimes we put our own obstacles there. Sometimes the obstacles are there because we veered off the path. Sometimes the obstacles are there because we are trying to make our own path. and we're, Or we're looking at a section that God has laid out and we're saying, I don't like that one, I'm going to go around. And if we would have just went through... And did what he said to do, we wouldn't have had to deal with the whole mess that we had to deal with. I think Jonah's a perfect example of that. He said, I'm not going to Nineveh. Look where that got him in the belly of a big old fish. It's so much easier just to obey God the first time, even if the path looks difficult. Nineveh was, I'm not going to get into all that. Today, I don't have time, but Nineveh was a difficult place to have to walk through and deal with. And he didn't want to do it and thought he'd make his own path, and it was a thousand times harder that way. That's why we need endurance, because there are things you are going to have to endure in this race in order to finish it. The third thing we need 
is to be able to run with focus. It says in verse 2, how, how do we run? We look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Don't look at the other runners. Don't look at the runners. Don't even really worry about the path too much. You want to know why the hard, rocky, uneven path becomes so hard? Because we begin to put all of our focus on how difficult it is rather than what we're truly running after. When we look unto Jesus and our focus is on him, see, when we start looking at other believers and comparing ourselves to them and we're there, well, wow, their Bible's really worn out and they've really been reading their Bible. Mine's brand new. I haven't done anything yet. And we can, I'm never going to be that spiritual. Wow, that person can pray for hours. I can barely pray for 60 seconds. We make these comparisons and we take ourselves out of the race saying, I'm nothing like the other runners. God didn't call you to be those runners. God didn't even necessarily call you to start the race at the same time they did. The people that you are comparing yourself to may have been running this year for running this race for 30 something years, and you've been running it for maybe 30 minutes. 30 days. Don't draw those comparisons. Look unto Jesus. You won't be worried about how difficult it is. You won't be worried about how difficult it is if you, if you understand who you're running towards and the finish line that lays ahead of you. Jesus himself is the model, the goal, and the finish line. Now that we got these, these skills that we need to run, how do we obtain those skills? See, we know we need to run with endurance. We know we need to lay aside every weight. We know we need to lay other things down and get rid of the sin that ensnares us. We, need, we know we need, we need to look unto Jesus and, and run after him as he's the high calling. And, but how? How do we do those things? Well, Hebrews tells us, at the very beginning, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also, let us also. See, that let us also means just like in Hebrews 11 where it lists the great works of faith of David and Noah and Abraham and Moses and all of those wonderful people of the faith that are not just Bible characters, but they are historical people that really did live and walk the earth. And they lived and breathed and they ate and they slept and they, they had children, some of them, and they married and, and they lived life just like you and I did. The Bible is saying, like them also, you run the race. In other words, we have a crowd of coaches that we can look to to help us develop the skills needed to run the race. All of those people listed in Hebrews 11, I'm not going to read it for you now, go read it on your own time. Go read Hebrews 11. He's saying, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, meaning all of those people, let us also, just like they did, run the race of faith that is before us. Let us run like they ran. 
In other words, learn from the way that they ran the race so that you can run it successfully. I, I don't know that I would listen to a coach that doesn't understand the sport I'm playing. If they don't have the, if they haven't been in a, in a position where they have really studied and understood, like, I don't necessarily want to listen to a wrestling coach that has never been around wrestling a day in his life. I don't want to listen to a football coach that has never even watched a football game. But we have a whole, a whole slew of coaches in the Word of God that we can pull and learn from, from the life that they lived. And through understanding them and their victories, we can also find victory for us. We can learn from their mistakes. We can learn from their victories and their successes. And it helps us to be able to lay aside those weights and lay aside the sin that ensnares us and move forward. Because we can look at David and we can see how he stayed back when he should have been out fighting. And he saw Bathsheba and that's when he fell into adultery. And we could say, well, maybe it would be a good idea if I didn't leave myself alone and, and exposed and in a position where I should have been out doing something else, but instead I decided to stay home and I began to look around and I began to look around in my kingdom and I let my eyes wander in a place they shouldn't have been. We can, we can look at people like Moses and his boldness and, and, and the Bible says in Hebrews 11 that Moses decided not to be called an Egyptian and to live on the pleasures of Egypt, but rather to be called a follower of Christ, a follower of God, and be obedient to God, and follow and, and suffer with his own people, and he was able to lead them to freedom because of his boldness to do what was right. We can learn from these people that God had run the race before us. Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. I'm getting ready to close this this morning. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27. He says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable so I do not run aimlessly, I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Here's what I want to pull from that. Athletes do not train aimlessly. They train and make their training specific to what they are competing in and what they are running in. So you can't just do any old thing and run this race of faith. Your training has to be specific to running in faith. You don't need to do push-ups. You need to do kneel-downs to pray. You don't need to curl weights. You need to flip the pages of your Bible and read. You don't need to do cleans and, and squats and all those. You need to lift your hands and worship and draw close to God. Your training those things you do here on this earth should be specific to running the race. Also, he exercises discipline. Some of us need to uh, push the plate back instead of following a diet plan and fast. 
It says to exercise self-control in all things. You're not going to find an Olympic athlete at an ice cream store stuffing their face. You're not going to find an Olympic athlete at the club partying. And These athletes, they are very disciplined in every action that they take. Their whole life, listen to me, their whole life centers around the goal and the prize that they are running towards. They make their entire life about winning that gold medal. Why do we not make our... The, Paul even says, they do it, they run like this, they train like this to obtain an imperishable or a perishable wreath that's going to rot and it's going to die and all of these things. We are pursuing something that will never die and never fade and never go away. He's saying, why do we not train like they train? Corinth is in, located in Greece. What is Greece known for? The Olympics. They started it. The, the Greek wrestlers would actually wrestle lions to train to wrestle a human. They figured if I can do this thing way up here, then wrestling a human will be nothing. Why do we not take our faith as seriously when we run this race? You need a training plan that is specific to the race we are running. You need to set time aside and not just aimlessly go about this life, but have a plan to walk in faith and to obey God. Make a plan to get in church. Make a plan to read your Bible. Make a plan to pray and worship. If you don't have a plan, what's the saying? If you, if you don't have a plan, you plan to fail. Something along those lines. You fail to plan, you plan to fail. You won't be successful in your faith if you don't have a plan. Paul writes this in 2 Corinthians. I'm going to close with this. You need to understand this race is a long, hard race, but never stop moving forward. Never stop growing. The longer you run, the easier it'll get. If you can't run, walk. If you can't walk, crawl. But whatever you do, do not stop going forward. And if we stay faithful in running this race, Paul writes in 2 Timothy 4, this is near the end of Paul's life, as he's getting ready to face death, he writes these words, famous words, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. In other words, we will obtain the prize if we do not quit. So my question for you today is, are you running the race? Will you bow your heads and close your eyes with me?